Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this is Storymakers Show. And today on Storymakers, there's a mosquito in our garage. Yes, today our pandemic garage is freezing cold. Not freezing cold, just chilly. In the way that an uninsulated space can be. Sometimes really cold, sometimes really hot. Sometimes there's a mosquito. In my microphone. <laughs> Maybe just kill it. It's not that I... I don't kill, you know, spiders, but mosquitoes... I mean, we eat meat, so there's kind of like this little I bit of a hypocrisy. I for 19 years, though. I know, but it's not because we're particularly... Humanitarian. Yeah. Anyway. All right. We won't get into that, but, but, but you don't need to email us all the arguments because we know them. We're haunted by them. <laughs> you can totally email us your arguments. In the meantime, let's get back to writing. So what are you working on? Um... I am, well, I mailed, I, mailed, I mailed off my draft, so I'm actually cleaning the house, <laughs> finally. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing all the work things I do and the family things I do. And actually, I think it's just fair to say we're recording this on Mother's Day. So happy belated Mother's Day to all of our listeners. Everyone, everyone who had a mother. Is a mother. Is a mother. Knew a mother. Or thought about mothers sometimes. Or knows currently. New sounded dark. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Moving forward, um, I, I have this commitment to, to kind of toggle projects. And so I have floating in my mind um, the, the other project, and I'm thinking about it. And I'm thinking about its premise. Mm -hmm. Because I know that it's a book about being known, K-N-O-W-N. Mm -hmm. But I don't know exactly what I want to have to say about that. So I'm thinking about that. But I also am hoping I'll be getting notes next week and therefore, I mean, this really, which is this week. So um, I'm trying to use this time to focus on house cleaning. Great. Yeah, about you? What are you working on? Well, I'm working on several things. And in the shower, I think I came up with the title of my new little video project. Woohoo! Which is going to be in other news. In other news. So I'm excited to do that. So I'm going to be working on that today, hopefully get the first episode up. And um, so that's been my focus right now. It's so interesting. You know, we have a topic that we'll go on to in just a moment, but I, I've really been wrestling with how much am I getting done? Am I getting enough of the right things done? So Well, it's so hard to tell in a moment like this what exactly is the right thing. Right. I mean, there's sort of the, the weird limitations on what we can do mm -hmm. combined with still having, every, having to do every single thing we were doing, sometimes just, you know, backwards in high heels or whatever, you know, just, just harder now because it's all virtual. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what, and then there's sort of, yeah, like we're in a pandemic with a financial crisis. Um, how creative do you want to be? <laughs> How creative do you need to be? <laughs> you know, I think as long as I'm not getting creative with our finances, I'm probably doing okay. You I, might um, need to. <laughs> I also want to say that everybody is now getting to experience my good morning voice. So good morning. <laughs> good morning. Um, all right. So today's topic is actually we is about getting notes. So we did an episode prior to this, which we'll link to in the show notes. Um, which is about giving notes. Which is about giving notes. And so 
We're going to close that circle of gift giving (laughs) on how you can receive notes and still stay afloat with your chin up. (laughs) Like maybe that's how you stay afloat. Chin up and then just Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah. So yeah, that's our topic. And so we're going to do a little bit of a different format because I think, um, I am a person who, while I have done revision and I do revision, I don't have as clear a process. Well, you also like maybe haven't ever had to revise something 350 million times like I Not have. because it was good right <laughs> off the bat, but because there was nobody saying, oh, you can do a little bit more. Although and you really did have, did a really interesting process with your film. Yes. Because, um... You had an idea and you thought through the idea and revised the idea a bunch of different times. And then you were writing writing the script and we were doing table reads. Yeah. And I got a horizontal uh, notebook, if a you remember. horizontal notebook. And so what I did was I got a horizontal legal pad. Okay. And then I blocked out every single scene. Mm, and then I identified. Like yeah. So then I identified as I went through, what were the changes that I needed to sort of see in each scene, but it also gave me a tangible, and this is because it was tangible, not that you couldn't do this in any number of spreadsheet uh, softwares, but because it was tangible, it allowed me to have that little other sort of haptic feedback of turning the page. I've gone from this section to that section. Yeah. And so, and then we did table reads and those were an yes. interesting kind of feedback. I mean, it was the the people, and it was kind of wonderful to have different people adopting these different roles and interpreting them. Right. But that's different than getting notes. Right. So Although notes sometimes you get notes at the end, like people would say, Come right. let me give you some right. notes. And then you had to grapple with those and whatever. Then you, and then did you also, you had like your writing group read the whole thing, I think, mm, right? Multiple so you got times. Notes like that and I did and so on. But then shooting it is like another iteration because you're shooting it and you have to kind of make different decisions on the fly. Like you had a different location than the one you had visualized. Right. That's a kind of revision. Well, yes. And we can talk more deeply about that. But right now what we wanted to talk about (laughs) was the 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 systems that you've developed. And we're going to kind of do this in a little bit of an interview process. All right. So... um, Hi, I'm Angie Powers. Welcome to Storymaker Show. My first guest today is Elizabeth Stark, novelist, teacher, producer, extraordinaire. Welcome, Elizabeth. Well, thank you. It is great to be here. What a garage you have. I know. This is my NPR voice for my NPR garage. So I guess my first question is, is when you get notes, how do you usually get them. Like, so when you were thinking about this, like, are you, um, there's a lot of different ways. So let's start with first, uh, maybe those verbal notes Mm. that people who have read your work, but aren't necessarily referring back to their own notes give you. So, well, let me, let me say this, no matter whether someone's giving me verbal notes or yeah, I mean, I guess the main thing that I'm doing, and and this is even true when I'm sometimes like I, I had a long call with my agent where I was walking because I ha- I got her call in the middle of a dance class and I left the dance class. This was back when my dance class was not on Zoom in my living room, so I was walking home and nonetheless I was taking notes into Evernote, like madly taking mm. notes. So 
whether I'm in a workshop or getting notes one-on-one verbally, I'm always just writing everything down. And I've kind of trained myself not to ever argue with the notes Mm -hmm. or, um, and this might even be, I might've trained myself to the point of a a flaw, (laughs) but, but I actually think it's important, um, in the moment of getting the notes to uh, just to understand them and to write them down. Okay. I started with verbal for a particular reason. Okay. Sometimes people will say things that are different than what they've written on the actual document. Mm. And sometimes uh, I feel like verbal notes are where people start really feeling super comfortable playing chess with your work. So this is a term we've developed called you know, playing chess with someone else's book, which is that it's always really fun to strategize and move the pieces around on someone else's book much easier than doing it on your own. And so I always advise people to do it with caution. And, and when I do it, I say, okay, I'm, I'm going to play chess with your book. And just kind of knowing Right, that but that's giving notes. So here we yeah. are, and you are walking, however, and, and I just, let me finish the full question, okay? okay? So I've really heard already that you're saying you capture everything and you try to understand or at least capture if you don't understand. So let's start mm-hmm. with there. Yeah. Here I am, I'm giving you notes. Note, 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 note. And then and you scribble, hit scribble, scribble. and you hit one you don't understand. What do you do? Well, I, I might ask a question for sure. I would say, um, well, you know, can you can you say more about that? Or do you mean um you da da da? You know, I'll, mm. I'll I'll push back on it. And I will say, um, yeah, I mean, I'll push back on it. But I, there are also, and I, I don't know, is this, have you asked the full question? I'm going to do bit by bit, because, so depending on where you go. Because I think the other piece is that um, once I have the written notes, I will backtrack from a comment to try to understand um, what was underlying it. So, so other, I, instead of backtrack, I think you mean reverse engineer. <laughs> well, let's say somebody says... Um, you know, I uh, I wanted her to, you know, go grocery shopping, right, instead of plant a garden or whatever, right? Okay. So that is that is a very specific chess move, right? Like, like that's just somebody coming up with, like, their own plot idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're responding to something that is important for me to understand as a writer, which is that there was something they didn't believe or they didn't you know, they didn't buy it. They didn't believe it. They didn't, it it didn't sit right with them. And so Mm -hmm. grocery shopping may not be the answer, but I have to look at the garden scene and I have to say to myself, like, they didn't want the character to do this. Now, one, it's actually okay for a reader not to want a character to do something, Mm -hmm. but so I have to kind of sit there and go, what do I want the reader? And do you do that in the moment that you're getting these notes? No. In the moment that I'm getting the notes, I have two goals. Right. One is write it down, and the other is don't have a big emotional reaction to it with the person. Okay. So um, so then if someone is playing chess and saying that comment, I wanted her to go grocery shopping instead of gardening, do you just capture that and then say, yeah. great, later I will come back to yeah. that and think through it? Yes. So, And then, should we move forward then from there? Sure. All right. So then I take the notes that I've written and any written notes I've gotten. And I also, if I've gotten notes from several people, I kind of try to... Okay, so you're jumping ahead because really what I want to do is is the process of getting notes often will be discrete in certain different ways. So if you're getting notes from your writing group, say, you guys will all be in a conversation together. People will be bouncing ideas off each other. You'll see a lot of chess playing. You'll Mm -hmm. see a lot of 
those kinds of but, interactions. But I want to acknowledge one of the things that happens in that moment when everybody's mm-hmm. talking about your book is that it becomes something that is alive and separate from you. Okay. And that's a wonderful thing to just experience as a writer and to see, oh, this is this thing that is is now in other people's imaginary space. Right. So you've gotten you've gotten a writing group together. Good for you. You are meeting and you've just gotten notes verbally from everybody. So I just want to set this up because sometimes you might have one reader and have a one-on-one conversation. Yeah. So um, great. So you're at the end of your writing group's feedback session. Okay. And you, what's the very next thing you do? Like, have I said goodbye? <clears throat> yes. Okay, so I've asked all my questions. I've gotten clear on things that, I, that were apparent to me in the moment. And you did not explain to them when they had questions. You didn't say, well, you didn't understand this. Right. Now, I will say, like, different groups have different personalities. And, um, and I've definitely been in groups where people are more willing to play chess or, or, or believe in it more or whatever. And sometimes it can actually be fun um, if, you, if you feel sort of confident enough in yourself to say, well, like, what, do you have any ideas about how to fix mm. that or whatever? So sometimes we will banter, you know, but okay. But, so, but I have not um, said, oh, my God, you people are so stupid. Or don't you think you're being too critical? Or Well, I guess I also mean like if someone – where like I you know, it, again going back to your grocery shopping, you don't sit there and then say to the people, "Well, you missed the part where right. she did this." Now you right. might feel that, right? But what's really <laughs> what's really important is for me to know. Oh, they all missed the part where she did this. It's not on the surface. I need mm. to push it, right? So that's actually the kind of information I need. And I think if I explode at them, one, they'll stop being my readers, and two. I'm not actually getting the information I need. Okay. So yeah. So so in your verbal feedback, you've c- collected all of the information, you've n- gotten questions answered, and now you're in that cold and lonely moment when everyone has left the room or the Zoom meeting, and you have a pile, maybe four or five sets of notes. What's your first I, I, move? I will say I mostly love that moment. You know, um, I think, you know, there's a, a little bit of burnout coming on the project that I've done so, so many revisions of, and, you know, even to the point of like it almost being a different book in ways and whatever. But, um, but in general, like that first round of like, I wrote this book, I'm excited about it, but it's like raw and new. And then people have read it and, and hopefully they're excited about some things and they see its strengths, but they also have these points that need developing. And then I go to the page and, you know, really great comments. It's, it's, you get to see, I mean, and this is what I try to do as a, as a reader too, is like, you get to see what it's like to read the book. But I'm asking a really concrete question. Okay. What's your first move? You've got okay. all of these. So first, I read pieces. through them. Okay. So do you read? Because you'll tend to have end notes, and you'll tend to have uh, comment notes. I right? tend. To, I mean, if I if let's say I've gotten like four sets of notes on a novel, uh-huh. I will read through the, the notes just because I'm like kind of very curious. End you know? notes or inline notes? All of notes. it. Okay. All so of it. I'm, what I'm trying to I'll do read the, the end notes probably first. Okay. And then yeah, I'll read the end notes first. And then I'll go back and I'll leaf through and I'll look through all the pages and, and, and the comments. Most people don't leave the degree of the number that I leave of comments. like In line, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but in any case, it's very pleasurable most of the time to sort of see and you see what people liked and you see what people were confused about. And it becomes, to me, very concrete in a way in mm-hmm. terms of, okay, there, this is something I can fix. And so how do you capture... The notes across multiple sets of notes. 
So um, one of the things I remember telling somebody, I don't know if I do this. Yeah, I guess I do this on, on some level still. But um, so when I'm down to like the marginal notes, when I'm looking at the page by page notes, which is not necessarily the next step, right? Because you want to look at the high level things first. But I actually, so there's a literal... That's what I was asking, right? Okay. When, you, when, I, when I said like the inline notes or you call marginal notes... What is the, and I'm trying to get at a process mm-hmm. here so that we can really right. excavate it. So you said step one after you mm-hmm. have that meeting is you and you've you've got your own set of notes from all the verbal conversation. Right. Then you go and you look at the end notes mm-hmm. from each person right. and so, maybe well, I wanted, look there are for two different things I do and um, I'm not sure of the order. And okay. I mean one of the reasons because I as I was just doing this intensive last couple of rounds of revision, I was thinking. I have so many systems, but some of them, it's sort of like riding a bicycle. Like some of them, I, I don't articulate to myself at all anymore. And so I wanted to do this like as soon as possible so that I could try to remember them. And even now I would say like, I'm, I'm slightly away from, you know, those sort of automatic systems, but I will say there are sort of two different things. So with the end notes, I'm looking at making a list Mm -hmm. out of the, their, the different people's endnotes and kind of seeing where, like grouping like things. So right. and trying to make a consolidated list. With the marginal comments, the notes on the margins, on the page, um, I am trying to consolidate them page by page, essentially. Like okay. here are my notes, you know, here, here, and especially- So for, then I'm going to ask you yeah. this, and again, I'm just drilling yeah. down to the details. Yeah. So when you say you try to consolidate them page by page, do you have a separate Excel document where you're like, page no. this? Do you have no, a new- the manuscript itself. So, I mean, they're great things so now. Like you literally can Literally, have... are you unifying all of the documents into a single document? I mean, yes. I don't know that I'm technologically always doing that. There mm-hmm. are, as I was saying, lots of exciting new ways to do that, mm-hmm. but, um, you know- you, so you can now like literally consolidate all the comments and so forth, but I'm doing some version of that, right? Okay. Um, where and often you know I'll I'll print out and I'm going to print out and put put my notes on and I'll you know so I can do it on the physical copy. Um, it, you know it depends. It kind of depends. But I'm looking through someone else's notes and I'm moving them in some way or another onto my sort of master draft at okay. the moment. And um, so that I can think about them together. In context, yeah. Yeah. So that when I go through, I'm, you know, have them there to, to make changes. Yeah. So I've set myself up with a draft that has the notes that I need to think mm-hmm. about, you know, so that I'm not going page by page. I mean, I will have looked through each person's page by page, but then I want to say, oh, how many people had the same note on page one or right. five or whatever. Okay. Okay. So now you've consolidated your information from the verbal, from the end, and now you have some version of consolidation around the marginal notes. Yeah. So what's your next step? And I will say there's a lot of list making on going on in all of this. So I love lists because I love that they're finite and you can cross things off with them. Mm -hmm. And I will also sometimes then make in editorial brackets, my own notes about what I'm planning to do or have done to address each thing so that I feel clear, like, okay, here were the 10 things I needed to deal with and here is how I dealt with them, right? Because I'm like weaving in. So you do your editorial brackets then represent what you are going to do before you do it or what you did? Um, either way. Basically, I make notes to myself in editorial brackets. So if I'm like 
listening to a lecture or whatever, I put editorial brackets whenever I have my note or my my thought, my idea, whatever. So um, I'll just be clear in the note. So, um, you know, like do this or, you know, I did this. Is it in the body of the? The list. Manuscript. It's no. in the list. It's in a Sometimes, list. It's, okay. in, it's everywhere. It's it's the way I make notes. So it'll all Okay. It'll so let me back up then. So you have all these things. You make a master list and you say, you know, do you like color code your readers? I don't. I don't do okay. anything like that. They're really like the readers feed into my own. Okay. System. So you have a list of notes and then maybe something that gets sparked from your reader's feedback gets put in editorial brackets. Yeah, I mean, really there's a step where I'm looking at all the notes and then I'm making decisions about what to do. And then I'm doing those decisions. Okay. So I, it stops being necessarily responding to individual readers. Right. Okay. Um, so unless I'm working very, you know, one-on-one. So then would you say fairly then that after you've collected all of those notes, you actually kind of do some evaluation and that these are the notes you're going to address and these are the ones you're not going to address and that's what gets into the list. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Although probably to my detriment, I would say there's nothing I'm not going to address. I mean, I might (laughs) dismiss it and then that would be one way of addressing it. But But does it go on the list? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I think I'm just does. trying to get now, there are a few more the process sy- piece. Systemic yeah. things as we're drawing to a close, and this may be like horribly boring, but I know, like, I remember saying to a student, you know, go page by page through your version of the manuscript and put everybody's notes onto the page so you have them all in one spot. And it was like illuminating for her. So I have a few more things like mm-hmm. that that I do yes. in the process of editing that I just want to mention. Please do. So and so and one is editorial brackets, like having little systems for tracking your own work. Cause then I can search on an open ed- editorial bracket. Those, those are the square ones, right? Mm-hmm. I can just put one in to find and I can find all my notes. So I can go right to the places in a in a word doc, and, and I've also seen you do things where certain gaps you might have, you will represent by a, an uncommon uh, group of letters, so that you can search on that. Yeah, group of so letters. I'll do X Y Z. To, if I need to, if I know, okay, here's where I want to come back to. I'll do X Y Z, and then edit both editorial brackets and X Y Z are like two ways I mark, so I can search for those things and make sure that there's nothing I'm missing. Okay, and then. Um, so that's one thing. Then another thing that I do is, so let's say I have a printed manuscript and I see that there's a section I want to cut and move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mark it off. Like I mark it, it in sort of large editorial brackets, essentially. And I write excerpt the page number, like excerpt 192A. And if it's multiple pages, it'll be right. like excerpt 192 to 194. Okay. Okay. And then... Um, where I'm going to put it in, like, so then I've realized, okay, so I'm going to put that, now I'm going to move that to page five, right? So mm-hmm. I, so over on page five, I write where, exactly where I wanted. I write insert excerpt 192 to 194. So let me ask you a question because I do know you use uh, a variety of tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, being tool agnostic, if your tool has the kind of index card ability, do you still use that kind of indication so that I mean I will sometimes cut it like I will like say in Scrivener mm-hmm. I, I will cut I might cut the excerpt but I'm going to name it excerpt 192 to 194 because I'm also working with a printed document that I've handwritten all over mm-hmm. and so I want to coordinate those things and okay. so that because I'm going to go to the page that says insert excerpt 192 to 194 and I'm like 
if I've now changed it to be called like, you know, Jasper gets a dog, I don't know. I, I can't, you know, I can't coordinate right. it. So it right. still has to have that name for that. Right. So version. your index card basically says, here's my, here's uh, the yeah. thing to put here. So you're, you're using the titles of your index card. And they're not really get... index cards. They're really documents. I use, I do the partial scene. I guess the, I guess in Scrivener they can become index cards. I don't use that function very much. Right. I, I'm just using that to, because yeah. there's a variety of tools you can use that refer to that process, those pieces mm-hmm. as index cards. So okay. whether you're using them or not. Yeah. Okay, great. So, um. And then, um, so that's just, for whatever reason, I think that's very helpful. And it's, it's taken me a long time to develop the nuances of this. Like, because, for example, I used to be like, okay, this is insert 192 to 194. But then I couldn't tell if I was saying insert it here or if I was saying this is the insert, right? It's a verb and a noun. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to make this little change. Like, it's the excerpt when I cut it and it's the insert when I'm inserting it. Right. Interesting. So anyway, yeah. just like it's really silly, but there's just these small things and like putting the page number so that when I, when I've written to, a note to myself, insert excerpt 194 a, mm-hmm. I know where to find it. Right. Right. Like I know where to find it. So it's just like, it's this really silly thing, but it's evolved out of absolute necessity and needing to be efficient so that I don't get lost. Right. And so my last question, just before we move into steal this, is, so these are your processes yes. and you have found them to work. Do you feel like um, people have to do it the way you do it? I 100% do. No, um, I absolutely don't. I mean, my whole, I mean, our, the foundation of, of book writing world, uh, you know, and all of the kind of work we do about productivity is to absolutely find your own system and then find ways to support it and hone it um, so that it really works for you. And sometimes you don't have to invent the wheel. So mm. learning little tricks or just even knowing my little tricks might help someone kind of go, oh, yeah, like this is a stumbling block for me. I need a little little logistical solution to it. And, and yeah. instead of hitting up against it all the time, solving it and making something very simple and memorable that works for you. Right. So, and so what we're hoping to offer is a glimpse into one person's workflow uh, that you could start with and say, you know what, that piece would never work for me, but this piece will. And that you can use this as an opportunity to build from there. Absolutely. But now it's time for Steal This. Amateur poets borrow. Professional poets steal. What have you come across in your wanderings and readings that you would like to take? And make your own. And... Well, um, I have been really enjoying a book about design process recently. And I think one of the things I really, really enjoy about it is that it demystifies creativity. Uh, And just like we were talking about with this editing process, how you take notes and, and move to the next place with them, you know, all of these systems are jumping off points, but... Having a clear framework to work within, you know I love constraints because I can go rando really quickly. Um, so I'm reading a book called Growth by Design or something like that. Anyway, um, it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> anyway, so you know they have these great examples of like sort of an overarching structure of four questions. And the first question is, what is? And when it comes to art, I think very often we are not as in touch with what is. And in the spirit of our revision process, 
what is, is a big question. What is happening for my reader? What is it I want to say? Um, what is the world like? Because sometimes I also think we are judgmental about our successes in a larger framework as though there weren't an entire world outside of with us over which we have no control. So thinking mm -hmm. about that what is peace is really what I'm going to be thinking about this week, right? Mm. So, Wow, very cool. Well, I have um, a couple of links I'll share from Josh Spector, who does this newsletter called For the Interested. And um, and they actually remind me a lot of, of kind of what you teach and, and talk about. Um, one is about constraints mm -hmm. and, um, and it, it's, 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 it's called something like, instead of thinking outside the box, like create your own box. Right. <laughs> and, and the importance of constraints, right? So that, that was just a great article that really reminded me of, um, of what you teach and of what actually is so exciting about, um, constraints and, and how important it is to create constraints for yourself in order to move forward with incredible amounts of freedom. And so then kind of in line with that, he has, he has a, an article called how to start a creative project when you don't know where to begin. And mm. he talks about toggling between kind of ideas, brainstorming, and then execution and understanding how to execute. So kind of like what we talked about today, where these very little logistical pieces about like how to move forward with revision. And of course, interwoven with all of that is you you like hit a wall. You're like, I have no idea how to solve this problem. Like I've articulated the problem and mm. I have no idea how to solve it. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And days go by and you're struggling and you, bleh, you're going to give up. And then it comes to you, right? And that's creativity. But creating places like your morning pages where you're, where you're hitting your head against that wall a bit, you know, those those are the tools to make sure the executing happens, right? So just that ability to toggle between creativity and generating ideas and generating stuff and then Well, I executing. think you can't generate ideas without constraints. Right. Well, so that's sort of, he has that article, but then also just knowing that you're going to be toggling between, you know, the wild what ifs mm -hmm. and the logistical, how do I get there? Right. And that you, you, get, to, you get to do both. You get to support just both. Just to say, like in the design process book that I'm looking at, the first question is what is, and the second question is what if. <laughs> and that one small difference between... And I think what is actually is defining your constraints. So when they used to have the F and the S look exactly the same, was that just more wide open? Were if and is the same thing? Did we have more possibilities? Maybe. Or, let, or fewer, maybe? Maybe. All right. With that... We are, again, sending all of our great appreciation to all of the frontline workers from grocery stores to healthcare workers. Thank you so much for your invaluable and literally essential work. Oh, also teachers. And teachers. A big shout out to teachers. Last week was a teacher appreciation week. If you didn't reach out and appreciate your teacher, it's really never too late. And thank you for that because it is, it is an important piece of what's happening right now. A lot of teachers have had to make a lot of changes really quickly. So go ahead and remember they're human and thank them for their work. And thanks to those of you in all those categories. Yes. Yeah. 